the Bitcoin algorithm is just so smart. It's so good. The things happening with Ethereum, the fact of, you know, the technology behind NFTs, all this stuff is really just so compelling. And I think the, the ability to impact the way so many things are done, particularly in the financial sector, that the financial incumbents, the largest institutions in the world, are basically slowly creeping in here to take over. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. What's up, everyone? I'm your host, Charlie Shrem. You're listening and watching another epic episode of The Charlie Shrem Show. We're joined again by Andrew K. Gweld. Andrew, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Thanks, man. I'm happy to keep coming back. It's holiday season, early December. It's been 2020. We throw this epic Christmas party every year, and a lot of Bitcoiners come to town. Every year we do like a theme. This year it's like Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory theme. And yes. uh, it's be, you're more than welcome to come. What about you? I'm, I'm shipping the whole family to Mexico. Where? Why Mexico? Because it's all inclusive. I, I've got nice. family so big, and I've got I've got babies and kids, and so I need a place where it's all inclusive. There's cleaners involved, and I don't have to like rely on like my mother-in-law and my father-in-law to do stuff for me because that might drive me insane. I just read an article the other day. It's like the cost of a luxury vacation is just bonkers these days. It's it's crazy because travel is the ultimate way to like live the world. And it's just travel has gotten so crazy. I've looked into some all-inclusives too. Just super easy when you have a bunch of little kids, right? Yeah, for sure. So how are things going over at, at tokens.com? What are, what are you guys working on right now? Things are okay. We're looking at different ways to enhance shareholder value. We're looking at maybe potentially selling some of the businesses. We're looking at, we had briefly possibly selling the domain name. I'm, I'm looking into that. You know, with us not being a retail business, I figure there's got to be somebody else out there that's got something more valuable they can do with tokens.com. So we're exploring. Yeah, there's probably a lot, a lot of different things that people can do. What are you reading right now? I'm reading uh, Going Infinite. That's the, the book about SBF. Yeah, yeah, I'm about halfway through it. Did you read it? I'm not reading it. There, you know, this has been such an interesting year. You had Sam Bankman-Fried's trial. You have CZ now. But we're in this like bull market that we've been in the last couple of months. Bitcoin's like around 38,000 right now. Right. Um, a lot of crypto projects are doing really well. A lot of projects that I've held since, sh like we've had people on this show two years ago that their token has been going down for two years. We're finally now, they're like back at their all-time highs of where they were two years ago. So that's kind of cool to see projects finally doing well again. But it's been like such an interesting year in terms of there's still no regulations. But let me but let me go back to something yeah, here for a second. So you saw SBF, you saw CZ. Does that trigger anything for you? Like, do you PTSD over like some of your stuff? Like, because you must be looking at this and being like, you got to relate to this in some sense, right? Yeah, especially. So there's all the the articles about how SBF is using mackerel in prison. I wrote about mackerel coin and my mackerel economics and been talking about it on shows like NPR on this show. Been writing about it. What's mackerel coin? You got to just educate So like when I was in prison for that year and a half, I analyzed and wrote down my views on like how a prison economy works and the black market and how the whole underbelly and there's this whole kind of like mackerel. I call it mackerel economics because the mackerel is the most liquid currency that you can use as a savings and also be used as a 
as a transactional currency. And I was like using macroeconomics to use a lot of comparisons to, to Bitcoin and to crypto. And uh, so SBF is going through a lot of that right now. CZ, CZ, he's a, he's a friend of mine. He's come on the show so many times, but I feel kind of bad at what he's going through. You know, they're going to pay like a $4 billion fine, I think. Yeah. You know, I would never wish prison on my worst enemy. So to see potentially some of my, well, as Sam Bankman-Fried was not my friend at all. And I'm really happy I avoided that investment. But you're still seeing like regulation by enforcement, but it's different now. It's, it's different now because they're letting these businesses continue to run. Like Binance is almost like looked at now as like a settlement. Binance can run full time. Right. And, and then people are trying to, what, what's I've read, there's some groups out there who are trying to buy FTX. Yeah, it's, it. it's kind of interesting because if you've held your FTX claim up until now, you're like, you can sell it for 75 cents on the dollar right? at this point. And not only that, people are not wanting to do that because if you hold it, you're going to get pieces of all of these businesses and companies. And it's like you end up owning a piece of like a very a, a VC fund that'll end up doing very well because you own a piece of all these businesses out of the bankruptcy there. But not, yeah, the, but it's really bad. Possibly, possibly. Yeah. But, you know, like I said, I'm reading that, that book right now. I'm not pumping the book. But frankly, I think maybe it's a little bit too SBF friendly because I'm on, on a pedestal. Yeah. But, you know, to get to the heart of it, like, I don't think he was a malicious guy. I just think, although he may have been mathematically skilled, game theory, things like that, he had zero organizational skills, zero people skills, and somehow reason people gravitated to that. And people tend to do that, not just in crypto, but all over. You find these odd characters, like you know, what uh, Elizabeth Holmes, and people put them on these pedestals because they're so odd. You know, you sort of scratch the surface a little bit, and you can see that these people are just, you know, quite flaky. It's an interesting case because. There's no way to know if a person was malicious or not, or what their intent was, or how they rationalized themselves, or what they what they said to themselves. Every person I was in prison with, you know, you kind of like talk to them, and there's most people in prison are at the point where they've like accepted their crime, or they at least have accepted their fate, you know, and they've like said, okay, I'm gonna stop looking back, and they start to make amends, or they start to like figure out a way to move forward. There's a lot of damage that was done with him, with especially to the community. You don't know where the money comes from in the publishing world. The books that were written about me, every book was written. I'm the only one who hasn't written a book about the early story, and I need to. But my book will be the only independent book. There won't be anyone like, you know, that had a, a hidden agenda. Every single other right. crypto book that's out there had a, a hidden agenda or someone was paid to write it. Even the big ones, the bigger authors, like even the one you're reading right now, you think that there was well, Michael no... Lewis was a huge author, right? Like, yeah, his he's, book, give, he's selling away his, uh... the big short. These are huge movies with Brad. So, Pitt. so is Ben Mesrick, who wrote my book. Yeah. You know, my book is written as a novel. It's not written to be a true story. The book that was written about me, Bitcoin Billionaires, it's like 10% true. It was true. really entertaining. Yeah, but it's entertaining. But people take that as fact that like you're taking the SBF book as fact. The jurors yeah. are going to take it as fact. That's the, that's the biggest problem. And so he, he's going to jail for a long time, regardless of what people think, right? And I personally lost money as a result of SBF. So I'm I am not a fan. I just wonder what like all these people like here. You have a kid who clearly doesn't take care of himself physically or care about his appearance or any stuff, and and we put him on a pedestal. 
And that's really frustrating to me because I know lots of smart people that are ignored because they don't, you know, it, you know, it was a, it was a form of peacocking, I think. And I think it came up in court that he kept his hair long and crazy like that because he thought it, you know, when he was working at Jane Street, it would get him bigger bonuses. It's a form of peacocking, right? Like when a guy goes out and he's wearing like the big loud clothing, it's sort of similar. We don't understand like Asperger's and autism well enough. And so what happens yeah. is these people who like, like him who have a mental deficiency, we either load them up with drugs or we excuse their behavior or we don't excuse their behavior. Either way, I don't know what happened there. I think the failure came down to like regulations, I hate to say it, because he should never have been allowed to be in a position where he could make a Super Bowl commercial and be in a position of being a CEO of a company without any like financial services. You know, there were audits. There were people that were looking at their books. But when you can count crypto as on your balance sheet as money and the accounting rules around crypto are not clear and defined and people can just do what they want as they want. That's what you get when you don't have clear regulations. This is what you're going to get. You're going to get more FTXs. You're going to get more ambiguity. You're going to get more companies that are just going to try to figure it out. That's yep. what you're going to get. I hate and, to say it. And I would add to that you would have the same effect with bad regulation because bad regulation will then push people to the fringes to do things that are offside and then you'll get more of this type of stuff. And again, it's not just FTX. You saw in Canada, we had, uh, you know, the guy that mysteriously died in Quadriga, mysteriously died in India. You heard about that, right? Yeah. The, mm. There's people like faking their lives. You know, there's tons of people that are faking their lives to and doing plastic surgery and changing their appearances and getting new fingertips. You know, Do Kwan, who was arrested in Montenegro, the only reason he was arrested was of a fluke. He had a shitty fake Costa Rican passport. But if they didn't catch him, he would have been gone with the wind too. Huh. That's, that's just how it is. You don't think that guy from Quadriga is sitting on a beach somewhere? I, I don't know. I mean, you know, people, I saw some of the, the, the documentaries on it and said, you know, people had seen his body and everything else. But, you know, his wife, or you know, or widowed wife, is still living in Canada somewhere, and she does not seem to be living up the life. So, how do you know. know she's not? She's in on it. She, you know, it's it's very easy to like for him to convince himself. True, Charlie, he has to be a cold, cold man, a cold, cold man to like. I'm gonna take my wife. I'm gonna fake my death, and I'm gonna just ditch my wait wife. Ten years. Like He'll wait yeah. ten years and then get her back, or wait five or even three years. Right. I, People think I make up these stories, and this is why this podcast is successful, but I don't make these stories up. These are the stories that I've been told in prison. All these people that I met were people who tried to do these things and failed. So right. all these people, like I met one guy who lived in Costa Rica for 10 years on his own, on the run. And right. the only reason he got caught was because he was going on a vacation in Iceland and his plane malfunctioned and had to land in Florida for to fix the plane. And other than that, he would have been home free. Meanwhile. I know marshals and they always get you. You can never right. be forever. I don't think there's anyone that they haven't gotten. Maybe this guy just didn't want to get a divorce or go to therapy until he faked his own death and sold, you know, a hundred million dollars in crypto sitting on a beach in Thailand somewhere. You Could know. be, but you don't want to, I'll tell you this. I, I was in with a lot of guys who were finishing a 15 year stint right? We're finishing a 15-year stint where they had an opportunity to run and they could have probably gotten away and been on the run in China or something for a long time. 
And I asked them, like, like, it was it worth doing the 15 years? You're 55, 60 years old now. And he said, Charlie, the life of looking over your shoulder, you don't want that life. Yeah. He's going to look yeah. over his shoulder for the rest of his life. Those you still keep in touch with a lot of people you met while you were there? Almost none. Maybe like three or four of some of the people. And I think it's for the better. I think it it's like a memory of the trauma that you yeah. have. It's fun when you're doing well and you know, someone you're in with is doing well that you were in with and you meet up and you see them and, you know, you get together and you have some fun laughs and some fun memories. But then you, you know, all these stories that your brain kind of like push down, they come back up. And then also, what if a person's not doing well? You also right. feel like then you're responsible for helping them out. And then it's like a whole nother bag of worms that you don't want to go down. So there's definitely a lot there. But what's interesting is that Tether, Binance, FTX, all of these three big elephants in the room are now gone. They were Tether and Binance settled with the government. Yeah. FTX failed. Bitcoin and crypto is like very decentralized right now. It is hyper fragmented. You, there's not one place that Bitcoiners and crypto people are. They listen to all podcasts. They're on all types of forums. It's hard. There's no one place that you can go get the crypto customer. Like everyone's everywhere. The 51% attacks are a lot more difficult from a community perspective. We're an economy, but we're not in one place. So who do you think possibly wins here? Coinbase? Coinbase is definitely a big winner because they're like the incumbent. But Coinbase can't get too big. They were even reined in. You know, they even were fined by the SEC or did their whole court battle. I forget what they did, but they even kind of reined themselves back. And they ended their earn program and they probably lost a little bit of money in the three arrows debacle. They just haven't admitted everyone lost money. There's so many companies that were touched by the Genesis, Grayscale, Digital Block Currency five. Group, BlockFi, Three Arrows, Gemini, Binance. Like everyone is, it's, they're, it's so incestual that everyone is in on it. So the ones that are still around that have all their customer funds, they just ate, they just ate the difference. Good for them. Thank you for doing that. That's that's awesome. Binance set up an, an emergency fund for a reason, an insurance fund for this exact reason. The ones that couldn't make it and that failed were the ones that, I hate to say it, never been through a bear market before and never knew what it was like when you have to call all your customer deposits because it happens. So in looking at the state of crypto today, have we, in a sense, failed? We, we started off as this counterculture, you know, going back to the, you know, the OG Bitcoin, the white paper. It was a response to the, you know, 2008 financial crash. And you look at it today, you know, is some of the counterculture from this gone? You have Goldman Sachs, JP Morgan, Citibank are all writing two, 300 page reports on crypto, Bitcoin. You have the top 12 asset managers in the world that have all filed for ETFs, including BlackRock. And the guys who come from that counterculture, the guys who be, you know, who started these businesses and, and, and are trying to sort of make a difference are, are now, you know, have failed. That's a really good question. From what I from what I gather and to summarize what you said, it seems like every time someone tries to become like the leader or a centralized or a like 
person or company that gathers too much attention or like money that they're holding for depositors, if you will. And when that person gets too big, then it gets broken up. Even Elon Musk, to a degree, when he tried to become like the leader of Bitcoin on Twitter or whatever. Yeah, I remember like what happened to that? He They were going to start the, the Bitcoin Clean Energy Club and they got a whole bunch of guys together. This whole thing and just went away. The point is that like if you're looking at it from like a time perspective, like from a starting to this is the finish line, if you're going to say, have we started and have we failed? There are thousands of articles that have like, said, you know, have asked the same question and have speculated, oh, it's the end or the beginning or it's the end of crypto, it's the end of Bitcoin, whatever, whatever. And I know you don't think that because this is such a long term type of thing. Like even Satoshi wrote about things that need to happen in in this for the year 2035 and the year 2150. So I never look at it from a finite timeline perspective. I look at us as like another year has gone by. What have we achieved this year? Not that I don't care what negatives we had, we have had, or what we've lost, but I just know that other podcasters like myself and other talking heads and other writers and other researchers, they're going to learn. We're going to learn from all the mistakes of the year, and we're going to bring it all back, and we're going to talk to folks like yourself, and we're going to talk about the red flags, and our next kind of like class of companies are not going to make those same mistakes, and they're going to grow, right. and they're going to learn from it. So I don't look at it as like failure. I just look at it as like, graduating to the next class how many classes so, we need to have i don't know yeah so i, I and, and i and i say that to be the devil's advocate and i, I love put my my tinfoil hat on for a second here because i am by at heart a conspiracy theorist and i think that crypto has become so good like you know the the bitcoin algorithm is just so smart it's so good the things happening with ethereum the fact of you know the technology behind NFTs, all this stuff is really just so compelling. And I think the the ability to impact the way so many things are done, particularly in the financial sector, that the financial incumbents, the largest institutions in the world, are basically slowly creeping in here to take over. I don't see this yep. as a failure. You listen, the top 12 asset managers in the world file for Bitcoin ETFs. That's not a failure. That is a that is almost a you know a function of the success. I see However, yeah. it's 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 no longer this countercultural screw you thing that it was. For example, when I got into the sector, you know, eight years ago, and nobody was talking about it. like now, the, the price of Bitcoin. You know, I listen to the morning news and they're quoting the, the price of Bitcoin. It's looked as a positive to people who are just kind of like joining the industry and don't really understand the counterculture of like why we got into this in the first place. Yeah. So you on one end, you have like the Black Rocks who are totally embracing and ETFs. So it's like, yeah, it's really exciting because prices go up and institutions are pouring money into venture capital who are then pouring money into crypto companies. So it makes crypto projects do really well too. So you have all that. But from like my early Bitcoin OG like hat on for a second, like, you know, put my, my little pyramid on here for a second. I completely agree. But then I go look at what happens in El Salvador and I look at the Argentinian presidency. You have yeah. the crypto, you know, the anarcho-capitalist guy who just won the presidency over there. And I was, yeah, I saw so that, yeah. it's like this weird, like you can look at it like we're doing at the end of the year, you and I can get together and we can do this type of show and we can say like, these are the things that bad happen, but these are the positive. I think if you ask CZ, was 2023 a good year? Well, don't ask him right now because he's going through a shit. 
But if you ask him later on, he'll still look at this year as a positive year maybe for himself. Yeah. And I hope he does. And he will because he's a, he's a, he's a thinker. He's a deep thinker. I, I have a very scientific way of gauging the, the public mood on cryptocurrency. And that is by how many ex-girlfriends will contact me to ask me to explain Bitcoin to them. <laughs> so I know I know the market's doing a swing, but I get a, like a hey, can you you know as if I'm the Bitcoin town crier, like hey, can you come over and explain to me and my boyfriend how Bitcoin works? Right. And then I know that the the hype cycle is about to begin. It's so true. It's uh, it's funny because in 2017, that's that was what triggered the end of the bull market for me. When a guy that I was in jail with contacted me out of the blue, it was 2019. Sorry. And he's like, hey, I heard about this Bitcoin thing. And I'm like, oh, it's over. It's over. <laughs> yeah. I remember when I, was a, when I was an investment banker and I was working down in the, in the financial sector. And, you know, when I was a student time, you know, you're taking your cabs home and the cab drivers never knew what you do. And when they start giving you stock advice, right, that, then you know. Oh, yeah. That's another ending of the bull market was when I was like in a taxi or in an Uber here in Florida. And the Uber driver was like, hey, man, I, I know you're in, in Bitcoin. Can I ask you about this token? And I try not to be rude. So I hear the person out and like a total scam. I knew this thing was a total scam. And I was and I, I didn't want to say that. So I said, like, hey, like what I try to do is never buy tokens that my friends tell me about that I know physically, because then if things don't right. go good, you don't want to ruin that friendship. And he took that in like the worst way. He's like, oh my God, it's like, you just never win. And it was the end right. of the bull market. I, I have one, I have one more, then we can go back to some serious conversations. I had dinner with a, a high school friend of mine last, uh, last week. Hadn't seen him in a long, long time. And, you know, we keep in touch maybe once a decade. And of course, like, let's talk about Bitcoin. And he's like, have you heard about this? This is how I do my Bitcoin investments. And he showed me this thing called shake coin and he's like you take your phone goes, oh i heard about this. It. yeah and when you shake it it gives you more bitcoin and i was like i don't know i mean i haven't done the work so disclaimer right now i don't know if this is a legit company or not but i was like how does this business plan work yeah you shake your phone and they magically give you add bitcoin to your account i'm like have you ever tried to withdraw this bitcoin he's like no I'm like, <laughs> wow <laughs> That might be the test. That's that's a big test, by the way. I always tell people, great, great point. If you can't withdraw your coins, that's usually a big red flag. Yes. And if earning more coins is a contingent <laughs> on you shaking your phone, <laughs> vigorously giving it a shake, you know, look at that. I just earned another Bitcoin. Hmm. 2024, going into this next year, do you have any thoughts of like, what you want to achieve. Obviously, everyone wants to make more money and, and invest in more businesses and do more things. But like, I personally need to get my, my fucking book done. And I need to start another business because it's time that I start another company. But that's, that's me yeah. personally. What do you think? I, I love the idea of starting another business. I'm actually itching to start another business. So I'm, I've been doing some research there. I think it's going to be an interesting year. I'd love to get your thoughts on this. So as you know, for the audience, I'm Canadian, I'm a neighbor, but you guys are going into an interesting election year. And my my thought process right now is, you know, again, as an outsider, you've got two very old guys probably going to be running against each other, but all kinds of things can happen. 
But I think there's going to be a move here to lower interest rates in the second half of next year to support the incumbent party. I don't know how you feel about that, but if that happens, you could see risk assets come on again. I think you could see Bitcoin hit 100 grand next year at some point if interest rates start coming down to be followed into 2025, but what could be another tough economic year. There's going to be a lot of uncertainty between the election cycle. Forget the Bitcoin having and stuff like that. But between the election cycle and the the only thing the federal the Federal Reserve and central banks around the world have proven themselves to not be political. They've like completely the the Japanese central bank, the the, the European central bank, the 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 central bank of the whatever they call themselves in of England, the central bank of England or whatever, the the Canadian central bank, every every like you know financial authority around the world has proven themselves to like be, but only because it was in the best interest from a narrative perspective to raise interest rates. Inflation was happening. The how yeah. do we fight it? Raise interest rates. Everyone said let's buckle in. It's going to be pretty shitty. But this is the only way. And inflation has gone down. Here you then have like on the one end, like the Biden administration coming out and saying last week that 60% of the inflation was actually just because of the supply chain situation. So then what does the interest rates, should you have then raised all those in, like that's the thing, like you're yeah. negating your own tool, if you will. Yeah. And, and, so and again, like, I know... I it's supposed to be not yes. tied politically, but don't you think I that do, I do. I effort think to stop Trump, there's going to be a, you know, an election is always good for the stock market. If you can somehow make Biden, Biden economics look positive, that helps his, the, the chances of that party, whether he runs or not, but just helps the party there for being reelected. I, I do. I think that there's going to be some weird situation that happens and in a black swan event. It's always some event that you and I can't think about that just changes right. things. Like yeah. COVID, it's complete everything. Just so there's all these things. I, I'm always super curious what would have happened to Bitcoin without COVID? Because in some senses, COVID saved Bitcoin. Everybody thinks every, the, the having happened, okay? I if, I, if I'm recalling correctly, the having happened, Bitcoin didn't react. I think it actually went down quite a bit. Yeah. It was only when the government started writing the checks for people. Money was being, you know, shopped, given away everywhere. That you saw all risk assets, including Bitcoin, start to spike. Yeah, you would have seen. I think that bull market would have happened much later. It would have taken a lot longer for for prices to flatline and for projects to wean themselves out. Right. People think the having happened. It in accelerated. The next boom. Bitcoin no. to the moon. It accelerated things it in such a big way. way. There's always a lag between the having. And any increases that happen in Bitcoin from the from the information that I have looked at. I think that you're right in that the having is more of a narrative sometimes, but we end up playing into it. We need these narratives. Satoshi was brilliant in that he built in a narrative every four years. Yeah. So whether or not it happens, we're going to talk about whether it affected it or not type of thing, you know? Good, good, good point. Good point. Instead of having inflation where you can't tell it, how it's so brilliant. That's why I study the, the Satoshi white paper like a gospel, especially when you understand economics. And that's why I love talking to you. It's exactly instead of doing slow inflation, he just did once every four years because this human psyche, we need those like inflection points in our lives. Human, we change every people say every five to seven years, but it really is every four years we start thinking about change. But we move homes, we change jobs, we, you know, we yeah. change relationships. We every five to seven years, like, so he thought about like, let's do the having is like another 
you know, and our cells recreate every five or something like that. We're like new people. The, the, the whole concept is, is brilliant. It's and brilliant. again, you got to dive in and read the white paper and understand how the hash rate works and the my all this stuff. It really is quite brilliant. I know. Andrew, I got I got to run, but thank you so much for okay. joining me. This was an amazing show. Okay, so show. for 20, 2024, we're starting a new business. We're predicting lower interest rates and all-time highs for Bitcoin. I'm ready. I completely, okay. completely agree. Cheers. Thank you.